And I've been holding off on the other library book I'm reading, which I'm like, well, I'll just renew that one. It's like, oh, you can't renew that one either. And I'm like, fine. I can't renew anything. I get it. Stupid other people who want to read books. I know. How dare they? I'm so offended. (laughs) Hey, guys, here's what's coming up. Next week, on May 10th, we will be playing a game we're calling the Goodreads Game. What in the world is that, you ask? Tune in to find out. Then, on May 17th, we're doing a co-host swap with the Literary Lushes duo to talk about Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. And don't forget, we have a Patreon now! Some of the perks include episode shoutouts, a monthly book-picking poll for a guaranteed episode, a spoiler-free miniseries, and even having us send you a book we're planning to do an episode on. We hope you consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our first ever patron, Ronnie! We hope your week is as amazing as you. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, and my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are discussing a brand new book that came out this year that we both were eagerly awaiting. Yes, eagerly awaiting, that is the correct word. So... I'm not sure if I anticipated this one as much as Smoke Bitten. Oh, oh, guys, forgot to tell you. The book we're talking about is Wild Signs by Patricia Briggs, which is the sixth book in the Alpha Omega series, which is a spinoff series of the Mercy Thompson series, which has like 15 books. And the newest one of that one was Smoke Bitten. And I, I love Mercy. I love her books. I like this one better, actually. I think I liked Wild Sign more than Smoke Bitten, but I really did like Smoke Bitten, too. And I anticipated Smoke Bitten more, but I thought this one was really, really good. See, and I definitely anticipated this one more just because Charles is my boo. I love him. I know you love Charles. (laughs) So I always anticipate the Alpha and Omega books just a little bit more than the Mercy Thompson books. But also, like, I'd had a pretty rough few months before this, before this book came out. And Patricia Briggs is one of those authors that I just auto buy. And so I had this pre-ordered and it was one of those things that I was able to look forward to that actually like I knew was going to happen one way or the other. And so like I got really hyped for this one. I was just like, yes, this is happening. It's coming to my door. I'm going to read it. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of intense. A little scary. I I was very intense in my excitement for this book. You have no idea. (laughs) It was really good. I was very happy with it. Oh my gosh. I was thrilled with this one. Oh, I was was so happy with this one. I think I read it in like less than three days. (laughs) Yeah, you did. Because I... I feel like I had it even started because I had to finish some other books. And you're like, did you read it yet? I'm like, no. (laughs) Oh, I have not. But yeah. Such a good book. So well anticipated. Uh, Between this and Fires of Vengeance by Evan Winter, I think these are probably my two most anticipated books coming out this year. Yeah, anything else? Fires of Vengeance came out last year. That's cute. I'm reading it this year. Therefore, I anticipated (laughs) this year. So anyway, as I said. Yeah, I think this was my most anticipated for this year. I've got like three more pre-orders in that I'm really looking forward to but this is the one that like I knew I was gonna get hyped for this one <laughs> and I did wait how many what else you have pre-ordered I only have three pre-ordered 
I've had done four pre-orders total this year. Okay. okay. Wild sign. Mm-hmm. Six Crimson Cranes by Elizabeth okay. Lim. Yep. It comes yep. out in July. Okay. The first book in the series is Ray Bearer by Jordan Ifueco. And the second one comes out in August. And I am I'm excited for that because uh, the first one was amazing. And then Marissa Meyer has a new book coming out in November called Gilded. Yep. Oh, I'm excited about that one. Mm, fine. You're right. See? Okay, fine. I do good pre-orders. <laughs> you do. Marissa Meyer is an excellent pre-order. I completely agree. Marissa Meyer is another one of the uh, auto pre-orders for me, like Patricia Briggs is. Just like, oh, you have a new book coming out? Where, do, where can I pre-order it? Thanks. <laughs> click mine thank you bye (laughs) well abby let's talk about the book at hand tonight okay okay can you give us a summary i sure can and i actually pulled this one straight from goodreads rather than making my own because i really liked this summary in the wilds of the northern california mountains all the inhabitants of a small town have gone missing it's as if the people picked up and left everything they owned behind Fearing something supernatural might be going on, the FBI taps a source they've consulted in the past, the werewolves Charles Cornick and Anna Latham. But Charles and Anna soon find a deserted town is the least of the mysteries they face. Death sings in the forest, and when it calls, Charles and Anna must answer. Something has awakened in the heart of the California mountains, something old and dangerous, and it has met werewolves before. Super anticipation, right? Mm-hmm. I thought that was a good summary, though. It was a great summary. It definitely gives you the spooky spook vibes, you know? Oh, yeah. A lot of foreshadowing. So what are the primary characters in this book? Or who, actually? Not what. Be- I guess you could say what as well, but who? So first off, we have Charles Cornick. He is a werewolf, and he is also the second in the Aspen Creek pack or the Marox pack. And he is a little over 200 years old. So he's pretty old for a werewolf. And he is half Salish, half Welsh. Anna Cornick is also a werewolf. She's an Omega and she is about 26 years old. And we also have Tag, who is an old werewolf who is within the group. I love his character description because he just has this bushy red hair and just like this crazy wild man outdoorsman vibe, but he is 100% devoted to Anna and I love his loyalty to her and it makes me really um, endeared to him. There's also Bran, which is the Maroc, which is Charles' dad, who is the strongest werewolf in North America and the head of all the werewolves in North America, except for Adam Huntman's because they're outside of it. There's Leah, who is the the Maroc's mate, which is uh, Bran's wife, who is also a werewolf. We also are introduced to Agent Leslie Fisher, who is a FBI agent, and Agent Craig Goldstein, um, which we actually have seen before. Uh, they've been in different novels. Yeah, Leslie and Craig are recurring characters from an earlier book, especially Leslie. This is, I think, her third appearance. Uh, Leslie is described as a 40-something Black woman with an athletic build. And Craig Goldstein is described as a man who could be anywhere between 50-something and 70-something. And yeah, that's pretty much the extent of his description. 
I think he had shaved his head in this one. Well, it's like there's no other characters that you really have to mention at this point. No. Oh, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, there are other characters that come in later, but I don't want to talk about them here because this is the spoiler-free section, so. I know. That's why I was like, I feel like we should talk about them, but I'm like, well, we can't. Let's not do that. And that, though the cast is small, the cast is very mighty in this book. Some of the books involve a lot more characters, but we this book is really focused on Charles, Anna, and Tag and their adventure through California. Mm-hmm. Can I just say, I adore this trio. Mm-hmm. This is like the trio I've been waiting for. <laughs> I kind of like the <laughs> fact that all three of them are in the Suburban and Anna's the driver and Anna's such a cautious driver that she's just like, white knuckling the steering wheel like going 55 in the 55 like she is like the queen of driving as you should and charles sits next to her but because tag's also a dominant wolf it's like he can't sit behind him but he can sit in the third row and sprawl out and be fine and that's a far you know further enough away for them to not annoy one 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 another Mm -hmm. that was like the most perfect description in the book well, I loved getting to see more of Tag and how he interacts differently with Anna and Charles mm-hmm. and just because he and Charles actually like get along and that's not something you really get to see in the other books because they just don't interact as much. So it was a very fun combination for this one. I really like Osseal and whenever he's in books, I was kind of sad he wasn't in this one. I know I missed Osseal, but at the same time... I got so much of tag. It was just kind of like, I'm okay. I'm sure a seal will pop up again. I mean, they also have huge personalities. So, you know, mm-hmm. you can, you'd only handle one at a time. Well, can you imagine trying to stick a seal into that suburban as well? No, that'd be bad. He'd be riding on the roof. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, so that is the summary and the main characters of the book. And now we need to take a break because we need to discuss all the finer details. And to do that, we have to spoil the book. So when we come back, don't listen unless you've read. All right, we'll talk to you in a minute, guys. Hi, I'm Bethany Finger, the host of Prince Kai Thampod, a Marissa Meyer book club podcast. Join me every week during my read-along journey through all of the books by author Marissa Meyer, one chapter at a time, spoiler free. Each episode will feature a different guest, new fan art, and laughter and joy through reading. You can find Prince Kai Fanpod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other listening platforms. And now, back to the show. Welcome back, guys. And remember, this half is spoilers. So if you haven't read this book, and you plan to, stop right here and go read it, and then you can come back and talk to us. Because, oh boy, we're going to be talking some spoilers. Yeah. All right, Abby, let's hear it. Slap me with your favorite characters. Oh my goodness. So I have to start off with Tag as my favorite, because you don't, you see so little of Tag. This Tag has more, this book has more Tag in it than I think all the other Alpha and Omega books combined do, does. And that's just because he's one of the three main people you're following. And I love that. I love 
the redheaded Viking warrior berserker dude. He's just awesome. And I love how constantly close he is to snapping, but he so rarely does just because he's also an older wolf. And so he had, he's had more time to master all that. He's such a good character. He's a scary teddy bear, just like Charles. Yes, he is. That's another reason I love this book so much. (laughs) I got both my scary teddy bears in there and it just, mm, it was so good. I love following him. That is highly acceptable. And of course, I love Charles as always because Charles, I love Charles. We all know that. I did love Anna. She's always such a good foil to the big burly dudes around her. And she's always so smart and she always plays it so well. Man, I can only hope I would be as good as her in that situation. Mm -hmm. And then the other character I really liked was Leslie. I love anytime Leslie shows up. Like, even if it's just like for a couple scenes, I'm like, oh, Leslie, I love you, Leslie. Thanks for coming back. Hi. (laughs) She's just one of those characters that like, I'll always like her anytime she shows up. Even if she came in, as being on the opposite side of Charles and Anna for whatever reason in a conflict, I'd still be like, oh, Leslie, you're back. Hi. (laughs) I just, I really like her that much. I do. (laughs) So what about you? Well, I mean, I pretty much like all the same characters you did. I think what I really, I'm going to kind of lump them together as I liked the trio. Mm I liked Anna, Charles, and Tag together. And I thought it was just a perfect chemistry, perfect balance. They were, you know, like Charles and Tag just, you know, want to take care of Anna and they make a little Anna sandwich with them. But they also give her space because they know Anna could take care of herself. But they also are like super like, we got your back. Don't worry. And like when she was having her freak out episodes, you know, like Tag's quiet way he was like "Mm, girl I'm super concerned about you and she's like why are you he's like you don't know what's going on he's like nope and just the way they communicate the way that they interact Mm -hmm. just really good dynamic they they would I would like another book with them all three together because like the last book focused a lot on a seal didn't it uh yes Mm -hmm. there was a good portion of it and I really liked that one but a seal and Charles don't make in a crowd no they don't and with tag you have that intense loyalty of his and like he's the kind of person that you want to have your back in a fight or in any kind of conflict really just like he's there he will throw hands and go berserker for you if that's what you need kind of thing he's just uh he's great and the fact that he actually gets along with charles is so nice because so often you see all the other dominant werewolves kind of butting heads with Charles. And Tag is just like, nah, it's cool, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Don't worry about it. So yeah, I agree. This is just, this is the trio that we have been waiting for that we really needed. It was awesome. Yes. Can't, can't complain. Highly enjoyed it. Such a great vibe. All right. Least favorite characters. There was really only one. There really is only one. Okay. And I'm glad there was only one. So when Xander was first introduced, I'm like, oh, this guy's really cool. Oh, you know, he's a an, uh, musician. Wow. No, he's a photographer. I'm like, great. And they're talking about him. I'm like, oh, I suspect nothing. Then we get into the tower. And I'm like, 
well, not even in the tower, but then he charms Anna and gets her to drive the suburban and crashes it. But she, or, and they don't, it's not a tower, it's a mountain, whatever. But it gets him into the mountain, and I'm like, where's this going? And then we get into the creepy chamber with the icky bed. And I was like, oh, what is this? And then he walks away, and then he comes back all covered in nasty. And he's like, I was with my father. And I'm like, what are you doing? What is this? I'm like, are you having sex with your father? Oh. I was having like I was having an emotional roller coaster with this, okay? It just kept getting worse. And then and then you find out he's Leah's son. And you're just like, oh my God. Like this is the offspring of Leah and a Japanese tentacle monster. Fantastic. Uh and he was just awful. See, and you didn't suspect anything, but as soon as Anna brought him up and two other people knew his works and knew his name from the photography I went oh this isn't gonna go well I have bad vibes bad vibes from just oh they know his photography how how does that give you bad vibes like what if I took a photo and you're like oh bad vibes no bad vibes here there's somebody that other people in this world know and he's randomly being brought up for no other reason than they like his photography. You can't tell me that's not weird because it didn't relate to anything else at the time. So there's that. And then as soon as I read about Charles noticing that Xander was uh, flirting with Anna, I went, oh, this is going to go so badly. (laughs) Not because I thought Charles was going to do something, but because I'm like, this idiot is going to try and do something with Anna, and this is just going to go badly. It will. I did not expect him to be Leah's son, or to be the son of the River Kraken, or Japanese Tentacle Monster, or whatever you want to call it. They actually called it the Singer. Whatever. But... Whatever, yes. I like River Kraken, or Japanese Tentacle Monster better, because that's that's a better description of it so I definitely wasn't expecting him to drag her down into the mountain and as they started going down I'm like oh this is gonna go bad she's gonna die she's gonna die and then there was the bed and I went oh that's worse that's so much worse I know I was having like this moment of oh no 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 oh no please do not write that scene I'm like thank you for not doing that scene and I was like please tell me Annie gets out before anything happens please tell me Annie gets out before anything happens I was so bad I hated Xander so much Oh, it was not good. It was very bad. So yeah, uh, Xander was, ugh, ugh, ugh. So much ick. Bad, bad. So much creepy creep. I was definitely having some, having some moments with him, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And coming back covered in that like slime or whatever without a shirt. I was just like, oh God, oh God. Mm-mm. Yeah, that was the worst thing ever. Mental images I didn't need. Ew, ew. <laughs> I was like, really? Really? Oh. And I'm like, where is this going? Anyway, so that was a character I disliked the most as well. And apparently you agree. Just as bad. Dude, I... The sad thing is, I didn't even dislike the singer, the river kraken, whatever he was. Yeah. I didn't like him. He was a good bad guy, but Xander. Oh, Xander. Oh. <laughs> Xander's, he added a creep factor. 
he did. Like the monster itself, just being the monster was one thing. Mm -hmm. But you have a like half-ish human child of it doing creepy things, just Mm -mm. no bueno. Okay, so let's move on to some happier things like favorite scenes. Well, I kind of stated one of mine already. Loved when they were traveling in the suburban to California and they had that dynamic in it with Anna driving and Charles next to her and tagging the back. It was funny. I love that. I also really loved the beginning because it focused a lot on Anna and Charles' relationship and their relationship with music and their music game that they were doing. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of gave me tingles and happiness because it really sh- it sh- showed me a lot of things. It showed me that Charles really cares about Anna as a person and is very focused on making her feel special. Mm-hmm. And part of that is through music. And just the thoughtfulness of Patricia Briggs and her writing, like showing a healthy, good couple. Because sometimes like you read vampire and werewolf books and they are not healthy couples, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so, like, just to have a nice self-reflection of healthy healthy couples just made me happy. Mm-hmm. So, this wasn't really a favorite scene, but it wasn't the least favorite scene. But one of the scenes I liked the most in the book was when they went to visit the witch sanator- sanitarium. <clears throat> or, I guess, the witch old people house, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I called it a nursing home in my notes. <laughs> I mean, for one, Xander was so bad that I didn't even mention witches. Like, I hate witches. Witches are bad. But Xander was so bad that even the black witches just didn't matter. Mm -hmm. I love the old people home scene. It was just so well written. It was a little, little spooky, spooky. And I really wish Charles had just like taken the guy's head and ripped it off. But then again, the guy was had his coming because he was being tortured and he couldn't get away. And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, I'm giving power to the black witches by letting them torture this awful, awful human being. But I'm also letting them torture this awful, awful human being. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I think part of the reason that the witches were such a lesser evil compared to Xander is that whole dynamic of the only people you really saw tortured were bad people to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make the fact that they're torturing old witches better, but it makes it less horrifying because it's like, it's kind of like karma. Like this just came back to haunt them mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yep. So like we weren't shown anything that the witches were doing in this book that really stood out as truly horrifying, like with Xander. <laughs> and that was the big difference between them. Like, we know from all of the previous books in this universe how absolutely horrific Black witches are and how bad they are. But in this book, they paled in comparison. It's bad. In this book, I was like, thank you. Fantastic. I am so glad you are here. And I'm like, whoa. (laughs) Those are the ones that really stood out to me. What were your favorite scenes, Abby? Well, I agree the whole music thing. I didn't write that one down, but the music game they were playing in the beginning. I love that Patricia Briggs always starts with some sort of day in the life kind of thing or 
showing you an aspect of the main couple's relationship and how it's healthy and it's growing and they're still having fun with each other. Because she does that in basically every one of these books at the very beginning. And it's just, it's such a great foundation to start on. And I love that. Mm -hmm. I I did not realize that until you said that because I'm like, well, you're right. Because pretty sure the last book we read with Mercy, she was baking cookies. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. I have video games. It's always something day in the life. Mercy is doing something around the house or at the garage or she and Adam are flirting or working out together, or it's just like, and same thing with Anna and Charles. They're playing in the snow together. They're playing a musical game together, like in this one. And it's just, it's things like that. She always starts her books with them. And I just, ah, ah, warm fuzzies. I love that. But what really got me in the beginning was that opening scene where the FBI agents show up and Bran is using Charles and Anna as a front for the conversation with the FBI agents. And he just randomly pops in and takes a look at the map and then peace outs without saying an actual thing except hi to the FBI agents. <laughs> and they're like, what? Yeah. Well, and then it is like, oh yeah, by the way, that was the Moroc. And the FBI agents are like, I'm sorry, excuse me, what? Well, you didn't even mention, or maybe you didn't mention, but the best part is that they thought that Anna was controlling the path. Because mm-hmm. they were trying to get her to tell them that, yeah, I'm in control of the pack. I'm the head. Because they're like, we've seen all these other werewolves take orders from you. And she's just like, yeah, I'm his daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that just... It has a good reason. Uh, that absolutely cracked me that. up. Yep. I was like, yes. Yes. So good. But just like the random brand in to look at a map and then peace out by <laughs> like okay dude all right bigfoot exists in this universe i forgot about that <laughs> that was so good i was like oh wait, what's going on here and they're eating that huckleberry pie and she's like the myth let me make sure what let me just keep eating this pie um nom 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 the scene was basically over. They were driving away before I realized that they were Bigfoot people. And I went, Bigfoot? <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot exists. Hello. Apparently Bigfoot exists in this universe and it's like a group of people. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's fun. Um, that was a twist I was not expecting. Okay. I'll roll with it. And then they like, they show up later because the singer was basically in what is their territory, but they didn't have the oomph to deal with it. So it's just like, huh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was, I was not expecting Bigfoot in this book. Oh, definitely not the uh, mythical creature. That's what it's called, but I was suspecting at all, but I was pleasantly surprised. Oh, and I loved the surprise random fact that, oh, yeah, Tag slept with his sister at one point. Well, yeah, I was like, oh, that's bad. And I was like, oh, cool. That's why that's why Tag knows that they're here. Oh, OK. <laughs> oh. Hmm. So I also really loved the witch nursing home for old witches. And like, you have to admit from a very logical, non-emotional standpoint, 
it is a good use of resources to take the very elderly black witches who could no longer care for themselves and put them in a place where their magic can be funneled into younger black witches who can use it. So like, I enjoyed the logic of the place. I really liked the garden that was like a living thing in and of itself, which was creepy. I would not want to be in that garden. I would not either. But like, in general, I I love the concept. As a reader, as a writer, I like the concept. It's kind of terrifying in its implications for this world, but I thought it was a really cool and logical expansion of the universe, you know? Mm -hmm. That was good. Like, nobody ever considers, but yeah, what happens to the older Black witches who don't have family who want to take care of them? So, yeah, um, that was a really cool kind of creepy scene. Uh, I definitely enjoyed it. And then... (laughs) Uh, I also loved Coyote popping in at the end and killing the river kraken. <laughs> I was like, what you doing there, Coyote? Here comes Coyote. It's a little bit. He's like, oh, can't let this exist. Please hold. Yeah, he said something about immortals are hard to kill. And then he's like, it tasted like eel. <laughs> and I love, I love this extra little crossover between the Mercy Thompson books and the Alpha and Omega books because Coyote's only ever shown up in the Mercy Thompson books because his tie is to Mercy. Mm-hmm. And so I love that he came when she asked. I mean, there was reason for him to come besides that. But I love that he popped up and killed the River Kraken. And another thing, while I was paging through this, I remembered he also pops up at the witch's garden at the nursing home and says that it was another one of the singer's children that didn't die when the singer did like all the others. And so that was kind of terrifying. And that's all we were told. And that's the end. That's all we get. The end. I know. I was like, there were so many small pieces at the end of this that made me go, wait, what? Okay. Wait, wait, what? Mm -hmm. And that was one of them. Apparently, The witch's garden is one of the singer's children, but it didn't die when the singer did. So I'm I'm really curious about its magical properties. And (laughs) well, especially because it's still in the possession of the witches, and the witches are bad. Well, and how alive is it? How sentient is it? And is it like is it ensnared by the witches? It does it have some sort of mutually beneficial contract with the witches? Like I, I really want to know more about this garden because it is concerning. It is so concerning. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, those are my highlights. Bad things are coming. Oh boy, aren't they? Uh, I, I need the next book now, please. Thanks. So good. Oh, very good. So what about least favorite scenes for you then? Mm, you kind of highlighted it a little bit with Xander, so... God, when we walked into the chamber with the bed, I thought I was going to have to die with that one. When Xander came back with, covered in slime and suction cup things, I thought I was also, I was having cringe moments. Like, mm. I was like, look, I did not sign up for anime tentacle sex books, so please don't give it to me. <laughs> I, w- I was concerned that it was coming, Abby. Don't laugh. I was like, this is not what I want to read tonight. I'm only laughing because I was thinking the exact same thing while I was reading it. 
was like, I did not sign up for tentacle sex. No. Please, that's not. I, I did not either. And I was kind of like, please don't do this. But it didn't. So it was fine. So we're okay. At that. And I mean, that is like just the one that really stuck out with me. So I also struggled with, so we got through there. We find out that um, Xander is Leah's son. She kills him. She's sad. That was like the most traumatic scene ever. I felt like, oh, I hated that. And I just felt for Leah because she had, Mm -hmm. apparently she had two kids in that colony and he was the other one and he survived. And she's like, I wish you hadn't. Like just that, you know, her, that experience for her to hate every moment so much at that point that, you know, she wanted her, her kids from this being dead. And it was just horrible and traumatic. Like her whole story just was so rough to read. But like we get there, we get out and then we're waiting for a battle. And then we're waiting for a battle. And then we're waiting for a battle. Hmm, it's raining. Hmm, and there's an inky black giant hole. We're waiting for a battle. God, that lost my interest so hard. So, like, we had all of that. And then the witches showed up at some point. And I can't even remember what the witches did. Like, I don't think they even did anything. Do anything. They didn't show up until after the battle was over. Yeah. One of the younger witches was pissed because they had let Xander impregnate a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And... Once the singer died, everyone who was impregnated by him miscarried. And so they knew what had happened and they were pissed off about it. And so that's why the witches showed up at the end. Okay. But it was like, I'm like, you guys don't need to be here. So go away. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just one of them, especially like one of the more leader-ish ones was super pissed. Mm -hmm. But a couple of the ones who were seniors to her, I guess, like held her back and basically went, uh, this isn't our land. They'll, they'll kill us. Um, <laughs> we're not doing this right now. Yeah. Bye. Oh yeah. Because the, um, Bigfoot people came out. Yeah, exactly. That's right. But it was like, we had that big realization with Xander, lol, battle, witches, Bigfoot, like, I kind of wish, like, the witches and Bigfoot hadn't happened. Like, I didn't care about that. I wish the battle had happened more immediately. Because, like, my interest level as a reader was, like, I'm tanking at that point. Because you, like, got me at this really super intense moment. And then you make me wait. And then have the battle, have Coyote eat the, the rest of the Kraken. And then maybe have the witches show up and be like, what happened here? You know? Yeah. I didn't like the sequence of events. so. It's not that, like, it was least favorite scene. I mean, the Ander scene was cringy, but I just didn't enjoy the end. Like, everything was so good until the end. And I was like, eh. hmm So, that, that's my take on this. Yeah. So, for me, the flashbacks with Sage, those just, they hurt my heart. And especially since you got a couple of them close to be, to, close to the beginning of the book, I was like... How is Sage here? What's going on? Oh, this is a flashback. Ow. I don't I don't want to read about Sage being happy and mm-hmm. going out and having fun with the other female werewolves. Like, I'm still hurt by her betrayal. Uh, so that kind of sucked. And then, like, you 
obviously <laughs> I hated that cringy yep. bedroom possible tentacle sex scene uh, with Xander. That was horrifying. But there's a scene that I didn't dislike. I wanted more of it. And I was disappointed that it wasn't longer. It is the end scene with Bran and Leah. And like she cut it off at the point right before they started actually talking and hashing things out. And she cut it off and I was just like, wait, I want to hear what these two have to say to each other. I want to know exactly what's going to happen. I want to know how their relationship is going to proceed. I want to know these things. I wish you would have let me see that. Mm -hmm. And it was rude because you didn't get that because that would have been really great to see that instead of witches. Anyway, yes, I agree with you. Yeah, and it's like, I understand she was trying to wrap the book up and, you know. She wanted to wrap it up in a neat little package. Yeah, and I mean, that was within like the last 10 pages of that book when that scene happened. Mm-hmm. So I understand she was trying to, you know, move along. Let's let's wrap things up, get all the points we actually need to cover. But I just, oh, she cut it off right before they really started talking. I was like, oh, but I wanted to see I wanted to see what happened. So again, it wasn't a bad scene. It was just, I wanted more of it. <laughs> and you know, Leah's always been one of those characters that like, I was perfectly fine with her distance from people and her bitterness towards a lot of the main characters that you normally follow. I was perfectly fine with her being like an antagonist on a pretty regular basis. And I didn't feel like I needed more from her because she had a pretty fleshed out story before now. Mm-hmm. And this backstory of hers that we got in this book, it's like, holy crap, this is all the stuff I didn't know that I wanted to know about Leah. Yeah. You know? Oh, I completely agree. Like suddenly she turned into a human. Well, as human as a werewolf is. And I was like, dang it. I don't really want to like um, Leah or feel sympathy for her. Stop that. Stop that. Crap. Now I need more of the story. I know. I'm like, I liked her just being a straight antagonist, but now, well, dang, she has feelings. I know. I just like everything she went through with the singer and losing her kids and then having to kill Xander and dang. I mean, well, and also finding out that there was iffy consent on the werewolf thing when Bran changed her. Like, because Bran forced the change on her because she wasn't able to consent to it and push then push through on her own. So there's also that, like, that issue between them. I wanted hashed out. I wanted to know what he was going to say to her, what she was going to say to him. Because, I mean, it was a bad spot for both of them. But the fact that they haven't talked about it at all since it happened. Mm-hmm. I know. Like, you guys have the most dysfunctional... Okay, so for as good as, like, Adam and Mercy are and Charles and Anna... Oh, my God. Like, Bran and Leah just had the worst relationship ever. It's like, you haven't talked to her? It's like, you you obviously care about this lady. Seriously. Well, and this is, like, 150 years or so. I know. Because Charles was what, like... 10 or so when his mom died or no like 10 or so when leah came on the scene yeah sure sounds great great age yeah like he 
he was a young he was a young kid when she came on the scene so she's almost as old as charles is and you guys haven't talked in almost 200 years about this no apparently not apparently that was not on the agenda talk about a dysfunctional relationship how do you stand that for 200 years (laughs) nobody knows oh my heavens just (sighs) yeah like holy cow leah became a humanized character and i don't know how i'm gonna feel about her in the books following this one (laughs) i know oh i was definitely like i would like to have more because i need to know more about this character but you're not going to give it to me. I'm kind of pissed about that. Mm-hmm. So overall, what did you read this book? Mm, that's a pretty darn near perfect book. Like even with the anime tentacle sex god, you know, lingering in the background, even with all that, <laughs> like I think it's a, it's a 4.75 out of five. Like it is near perfection. I think for me, what would have been perfection would be without that lull and more about Leah and um, Bran's relationship, because I need to know what the resolution was for them. And that would have cemented Mm. a five out of five for me. I was not disappointed. Like, I can't, I I have been disappointed sometimes with some of her books, but like her last two, mm, fire, perfect. Loved it. So happy with it all. Like, I love when people are like, I need a new book to read. I'm like, so have you read Percy Thompson and Alpha Omega? Because let me let me tell you, you should. <laughs> I know. Everybody really needs to read these series. I ended up giving this a five out of five because, I don't know, that lull before the battle didn't really bother me at all. And I just, I was so hyped for this book. And I loved the ride so much. And there was so much world expanding that happened in this book. I just... I loved it all. I had to give it the five. It was good. So a a couple things that I want to mention before we wrap this up. <sighs> Some postscripts? Okay. What's your postscripts? How the hell is she going to leave me on? And I quote, Sherwood Post sat up in his bed and remembered his name. And that's it. Like, it's no big deal. It's- yeah, that's all. Oh, I know. I remember. I mean, there's so many things. I forgot about that, but I remember that now. So we have that going on. And that's like, because I love Sherwood. I love following his story. I love him in Adam's pack. I know. And like, literally, that was the last sentence of the chapter right before the last chapter. Mm -hmm. And that was the only sentence about it. It was that sentence just dropped and then she moved on. And I was like, wait a minute. Oh, I know. You're not allowed to do that, Patricia. <laughs> also, also, what the heck is up with that actual ending? Samuel just shows up on Charles and Anna's door like, hey, here's my kid. I need to pretend we never had her for her own safety. Please protect her. Bye. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and I mean, that that got Anna her child that she was looking for. But... You can't... You hear Crossing all dark and mysterious and disappears again. Gone. It's like you can't just drop a kid on people and be like, see ya. That's not how that works. Uh, but but they I am so curious, like what we're being set up for. You know what I mean? Yes. Okay. And I love that Samuel and I forget her name. 
Ariana? Yes, Ariana, that's it. Ariana, okay. I love that Samuel and Ariana had a little baby. I think that's freaking awesome. I am so excited to see what powers this kid has. I love that Anna and Charles got their baby without having to go through the rigmarole of adoption or surrogates or anything like that. So I do, I love that part. I love that that was tied up in a nice little bow that also was dropped like a bombshell. So good. Which is like, I was so blindsided by Samuel showing up because he hadn't been in the book at all until the epilogue. It just, oh, it was so written, but it killed me because he had nothing to do with anything else in this book. And it's just like, epilogue, Samuel shows up. Here, have my kid. Bye. <laughs> just... And this is why I had to talk to somebody on Facebook. <laughs> and you couldn't talk to me because I wasn't done yet. Mo hadn't read it yet and I finished it and I was freaking out. So I went on Facebook and went, please tell me somebody else read this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it, I mean, like, I was, I'm so glad that you were done because I immediately texted you. And then I was had to text Lisa and Alex. And Lisa's like, I haven't read it. So don't you dare say a single thing to me. I was like, oh, okay, bye. Bye, Lisa went to Alex and I was like, listen, let's talk about this. So. Oh, I know. Alex finished it before you did. So I saw her post something on Facebook that was related to it. So I messaged her immediately. I was like, tell me you finished it. (laughs) I need to talk to somebody. (laughs) So I talked to her about it before I talked to you. (laughs) Okay. You can talk to her about it. Highly acceptable. Oh man. That's such a good book. Like, just a complete and total wild ride. Uh, yes. But in a good way. With so much world expansion, and there's so many plot threads that she could grab and run with, you know? hmm Yeah. Like, I genuinely have no idea what the plot for the next one is actually going to be. Because it could be so many different things. It's going to be wild. I, I, I kind of love that it's not obvious and predictable as to where she's going like this is so much fun I want to know like I'm gonna be super hyped for the next one when it comes out I'm ready I'm ready for it right now yes we should just build a time machine and jump like 10 years in the future so we can read all the books and then jump back right because I really don't want to age 10 years so oh no 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 we're just going to jump forward 10 years go to our older selves and be like, okay, hand me the books so I can read them. Ah, Binge okay. them in like okay. a week while we're there. And then we go back in time to when we were. Oh, so we're taking a vacation to the future to read these books. Perfect. I'm down. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> all right, guys. So if you made all the way through and you haven't read the books and you're like, well, shoot, you guys spoiled everything. That's great. Go read the books anyway. If you've read the books and you agree with our assessment that this was a fantastic book, let us know because we want to hear your feedback because obviously we love to gush about these books. For sure. All right. And that's it for us tonight. Everyone have a good one. We'll talk to you next week, guys. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks like access to our mini-series, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. 
If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.